tell you, uh, I love when we are able to come together and worship together, but sometimes I get so wrapped up in worship, I forget I have a responsibility in a few minutes, you know what I mean? I tell you, what, a, what an amazing time of worship we just had together uh, with our uh, worship team leading us in a time of worship, and, and, um, and I did get wrapped up in those songs and prayer, and then right before I walked up, Linnell asked me a question that had nothing to do with anything, and so... There was a bit of a distraction there, but, uh, <laughs> but anyway, it's good to see you here this morning. Let me ask you a question this morning. How many of you are getting a little bit closer to being ready for Christmas this, this, uh, this week? Anybody? Everybody about ready for Christmas? I'm sitting here thinking, you know, you better be because it is on us, right? It is, it is here. I was talking to a couple of men before the service here earlier, and they were just talking about the, the reality that they, used, they, they wait till the very last minute to buy their wife a Christmas present, and, uh, and I said, I used to do that, I wised up a little bit, and uh, I just got tired of the crowds, amen? And so I, I, I am doing better than that, uh, it used to be there, but uh, boy, Christmas is, is right here on us, and, uh, and it's, it's just around the corner, and I hope that this, this morning, uh, and I hope this week, and I hope uh, as we lead into Christmas that you're feeling what I'm feeling, and that is just a spirit of joy. How many of you are thankful? How many of you are joyful? How many of you are happy? I'm so excited to hear that because you know the reality is Jesus came down for us, amen? He came down for us and, and that's what Christmas is all about, just talking about the incarnation of Christ Jesus and the reality that he came to this earth. He was born as a baby in a manger and so uh, that's, that's what the Christmas story is all about and that's a lot to, to be thankful for. That's a lot for us to be joyful about and so I hope that you are joyful. I, I heard a story here recently about a pastor who, as he was preaching to his church every day, he noticed that he, he noticed that a lot of the people in the life of the church were not engaging in this time of worship. Spence and I were even talking about this uh, this past week. But a lot of people just come to church, and for whatever reason, they're just here. They're just uh, maybe maybe they just don't you know understand why we're gathered in this place. But it's it's because of Jesus that we're gathered here. And this pastor, this particular pastor, he began to notice that a lot of people in his congregation just weren't engaged in worship. They, they just seemed to just be there to maybe check off a box. And so one day, uh, as everyone started to arrive, uh, the welcome team was there to hand out helium balloons to every person that was walking in the, the worship center. And so every person walked in, and they had a they had this, uh, this helium balloon, and it was just tied on a short string, and they didn't know what they were going to do with it. But the pastor eventually came, and he said, he said, here's what I want you to do. He says, as we worship together as a faith family, as we sort of celebrate Jesus together, whenever you feel this spirit of joy, when you feel this spirit of thankfulness and joy, and your heart feels alive, I want you to let that balloon go. Because the reality is, was in his church, he had a lot of people that just sat there with this sort of scorned look on their face. And he wasn't sure if they were engaged in worship. He wasn't sure if they were engaged in the message. He wasn't sure if they were engaged in, in Jesus. And so he says, when you feel joy, when you feel the presence of God, when you feel just alive in Christ Jesus, I want you to just let that balloon go. And so during the service, uh, maybe during some of the the worship time, people would let that balloon go, and that balloons begin to rise to the ceiling, and, and, and so then the preacher would come out, and he would preach, and 
During the message, there would be others that would begin to let their balloon go because of just God speaking into their heart. And these balloons begin to rise. But, but the pastor noted at the end of the service when it was all over, as he looked out, there was still about 30% of the people holding their balloon. I hope that's not you this morning. I pray that this morning, sometime, if it hasn't happened already, and it has for me, but I pray that this morning, sometime during the service, you would let it go. That you would let it go. That you would engage in the reason that we are gathered in this place, and that is to worship a God who loved us so much that he sent his son to be born in a manger, a baby who would ultimately go to the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. Amen? Is Jesus worthy of worship this morning? Let us just worship him. Let us, let us engage. And this morning, I know we didn't pass out balloons. We checked into the cost of it. It was going to be kind of expensive. But we, uh, let us this morning just figuratively hold on to our balloon till you feel the presence of God. And I just pray, my prayer is that you would just engage in Christ. And you'd let that, that balloon go. You would embrace the spirit of why we gather here, and that is to worship a living God, amen? I'm excited about being here with you this morning and welcome to Cross Point uh, Church. Welcome to Christmas at Cross Point. And uh, hey, this morning I wanna get you to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter one. We've been walking through that. Um, I really appreciate Pastors Michael and Ross getting this series kicked off for us. It's been funny, the last couple of weeks people asked me a couple of questions. The first question was this, are you sick, Pastor David? Because they would see me floating around in the halls and somebody else was preaching. And I said, no, I'm not sick. And they'd say, oh, well, you're not preaching. I'd say, well, we've got other people that are capable of preaching. And, and so we're just sort of during this holiday season letting people, uh, uh, letting some of the other guys preach. And so, uh, and they did a great job. Amen? They did a great job. And so uh, I appreciate those two guys kicking the series off. The other question I got was, what's up with the glasses? Well, I mean, at some point in your life, these old things begin to fade away, and, and I actually wear contacts, but for whatever reason, I don't know why, but it's like one day I wake up and I can see close, and one day I wake up and I can't see close. I can see far pretty good, so today I've got these on, but here's what some of the people said. This was the other question. Do they, you know, they would, or they, it was more of a comment, really. They'd say, it makes you look smarter. That's what everybody would say. And at first, I was walking around proud as a peacock because I was like, wow, uh, more academic, you know? Maybe I'll tuck my shirt in. I don't know, you know? And so I was beginning, beginning to feel real good about that. And then it, it dawned on me about the third time somebody said, it, it makes you look smarter. I thought, wait a minute. What do they think about me? Do I need to be smarter? Is that what you're saying? And so uh, the glasses are here to, to read with, okay? That's what they're here for, so... Um, anyway, uh, let me tell you what we're going to be doing. We're going we're gonna to dive into the Word here in just a moment, but, um, but next week is our Christmas celebration, our music, uh, our time where our worship team comes and just leads us in a time of just celebration through music, and I can't wait for that. How many of you excited about that? We do that every year. It's a wonderful time. It's the only Sunday of the year where I don't preach, and I know you're thankful for that, Right? And so they're going to come and lead us in a time of worship. Also, at the end of the service, our children are going to come up and lead us in a couple of songs, and that's been good over the last couple of years. So I'm, I'm really excited about that and, uh, and so excited just to be able to worship Jesus 
uh, because of the reality that Jesus did come and he's so worthy of, of this. And then also uh, on December the 24th on Christmas Eve at five o'clock, we're gonna have our Christmas Eve service here. So I hope that you'll join us here. It'll be a time of us coming together. It'll be a time of, of a little bit of worship and then celebrating Jesus through the Lord's Supper. And so I pray and hope that you'll be here for that. That'll be a good time for us here this morning. But this morning we're talking about the arrival of our King. We're obviously speaking about King Jesus and we're looking at Matthew chapter one, verses 24 and 25. And so Matthew starts off, and you know this because over the last couple of weeks we've been walking through this, but Matthew starts off with the genealogy of Christ or the genealogy of Jesus. And so the first week of this series that we're going through, we talked about the ancestry of Jesus Christ. And so uh, we are, you know, we looked at his lineage and, and that why that is important to us. And then last week, Pastor Ross shared with us the announcement of our king or the announcement of Christ. And so we, we took a look at that as well. Today, we're looking at the arrival of our king, the King Jesus that we worship and we, we are thankful for. And we're looking at Matthew chapter one, verses 24 through 25. And so this morning, I want to invite you to stand with me as we read through God's Word. A short passage today. In fact, uh, the text, the, the message is coming from just a few short words in these two verses. But let's read this together, and then we'll pray. Matthew 1, verses 24 and 25, it says this. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He took his wife but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we are so very thankful for our Savior, Jesus Christ. God, the very fact that we've gathered in this room together to worship you in spirit and truth, the very fact that we have gathered here in this room as a faith family, as the bride of Christ, as the body of Christ, is because we acknowledge Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. And Father, we are gathered here today to, to worship you, to bring glory to your name, to exalt high the name of Jesus because Jesus changes everything for us. Father, we are so thankful that in your sovereignty, in your plan, in your wisdom, God, that you, you saw fit to send your son Jesus that one day he would have been born in a manger, the most humble of all means. And God, through his birth, would come the announcement that the king of the universe has arrived. And so, Father, we're thankful today that we can gather in this place and worship you in spirit and truth. We worship in song. We worship in prayer. And now, God, we have an opportunity to worship you through the reading and the preaching of your word. And I pray, Father, that as we, as we read through and think through these texts that we're gonna be looking at today, God, that you would stir our hearts and you would help us to know the significance of why there was one day a baby born in a manger whom we call Jesus. I pray, Father, that you would stir in our hearts, that we would engage joyful worship of you. We love you, Lord, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. 
Let me ask you a question here this morning. What do you think about when you hear the name Jesus? What comes to mind? I think that throughout the, the, the year as we, as we worship Jesus, I think a lot of times when we hear the name of Jesus, we might think of different things. I mean, for instance, if it was Easter, we would probably be thinking about the one who hung on a cross, right? We would be thinking about the one who hung on a cross and who died on a cross for the, for the wages of our sin, for the forgiveness of our sin. He, he went to the cross to atone for our sin. And so if it was Easter, we would be thinking about the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. We would have in our minds this visual understanding of this adult man who was willing to go in all of his humanity and all of his divinity and die on the cross that he could be the sacrificial lamb for our sins. That's what we might think. As we look into stories of the gospels and we see the story where Jesus was walking from place to place, we might think of Jesus as a healer. We might think of Jesus as one who was a, a discipler or a teacher. And so he was teaching his disciples. And so there are a lot of different ways that we think about Jesus. We might, if we're in a time of, of, of hardship and, 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 and things like that, we might think of Jesus more as a provider or one who is able to comfort us or one who is a protector to us if we're in time or in need of, of just leaning into the mighty power of God. And so there are oftentimes different ways that we think about Jesus. But during Christmas, we think of him typically as a baby, a baby who was born in a manger, a baby who came uh, by way of a virgin birth, a, a savior who was born where people begin to recognize who he was. And, and even though people didn't fully understand what was happening, we even see the stories of where wise men from around the world came to worship Jesus. And so it, it's oftentimes during this time of the year that we think of Jesus as a baby who was born in a manger, and that would be a proper understanding for us. We, we set out in our houses, in our different places of business, we set out the nativity scenes, and, and in those nativity scenes, we have uh, the small manger, we have the, the sheep and the, the donkeys, and we have the wise men, and then we have Joseph and Mary, and sitting in a cradle, we have the little baby Jesus. And so this morning to say, what is it, or... How is it that you think of Jesus is a fair question, I believe, for us to ask. But as I think about it, I, I hope, and my prayer, I guess, is this, is that, that on Christmas we would never lose sight of the significance of that little baby being born in a manger. I would pray and I would hope that we would never lose sight of the significance of Jesus coming to this earth and being born by the Virgin Mary in a small manger, but to have the greatest purpose in life that we could ever imagine. Now, let me tell you what Jesus thinks about Jesus. Let me read you a quote straight from Jesus himself when he says this. He says, fear not, I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. That doesn't sound very babyish, does it? 
Sounds like the king of glory, amen? Sounds like the king of glory to me. Sounds like the one who is in control of the universe, the one who is in control of everything, including our lives. This is the king of glory. This is the king of kings, the Lord of lords, amen? How many of you celebrate that Jesus with me this morning? He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. This isn't just some little baby in a manger that we're talking about here today. We celebrate that aspect of his life, but only because of who he became, not who he stayed in that manger, amen? That's Jesus. And Jesus says, I hold the keys of death in Hades. He is our salvation, amen? He is our salvation. And so here this morning, I don't want us to lose significance of, of what this baby is, this who this baby is that was born in a manger. It's just not a story about a cute little baby. And I love babies. I, I, I love to see the babies come in the halls on, on Sunday morning. And, and, and last week, the last couple of weeks, I had an opportunity to see a lot of them out there as they were checking in. I, I was able to have the freedom to do some things I don't normally do because I'm in here wearing wondering about the service and, and getting ready for the service. And so I love seeing the babies, but this baby is different, amen? It's a different baby. And so this morning, I pray that we would never forget the power of Christ, the King of glory. You see, Christmas is more than just the arrival of a baby named Jesus. Christmas is the arrival of a king, of a king. And so in Matthew... We read a story here, a few verses, where Joseph had a dream and, and it was revealed to him that he should name the Jesus, I mean the baby Jesus, and there's so much that can be learned when we study the name of Jesus. I, I love the fact that we were, we were singing just a few moments ago about the name of Jesus and the power that's in the name of Jesus, and we were singing that, we were celebrating that, we were thinking about that, and that's wonderful for us to do. All through the scriptures, we have many different names for Jesus. Two of them that we typically look at during the Christmas holidays is the name Emmanuel and the name Jesus. And so we want to, uh, this morning, I want us to kind of look at this because what we see here in this passage is something that I believe is truly remarkable and something that we would, if, if we're not careful, just sort of gloss over if we, uh, without really thinking about what the Word of God is teaching us as we look at this passage, uh, the prophets of old declared that the name of Jesus, that this child that would be born, his name would be Emmanuel. In fact, in Isaiah 7, 14, it says this. It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be Emmanuel. This is a name that we hear often during Christmas. It's a name that we often sing. But you know what's really amazing and, and, and sort of tying this together with the, the passage that we just read in Matthew chapter one. I mean, here you have an Old Testament prophet declaring, you know, years and years before Matthew was ever written, you have Matthew, the gospel of Matthew, and we see the story where his name shall be Emmanuel, and we see the story, his name shall be Jesus. You shall call this baby Jesus. But what's really remarkable is when you begin to bring these two names together, that it really comes to life. And I'll tell you, that's for us to understand what the Christmas season is all about, we have to merge these two names together. Many other names that we have for Jesus could be brought together as well. We just don't have time, do we? Because I'm certain that there is a, 
a time or a point in this message that you're going to be wanting that keyboard is to come out and start playing. So, so we're going to try to press through with just looking at these two names. And I want us to look at Emmanuel and I want us to look at the name of Jesus because I think there's so much significance in these two. So what does the name Emmanuel reveal to us? Well, first of all, the Bible defines for us what Emmanuel means. It means God with us. In fact, if we were to go back to look at uh, what was said earlier in this text in Matthew chapter one, we would see that it says it means God with us. Emmanuel means God with us. And it would be real easy for us to just sort of think about the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life today because we know as believers and followers of Christ Jesus that the Holy Spirit is always with us. In fact, he dwells within us, amen? And that is something we're thankful for. That is something that we're, we're, we're blessed by, just having the presence of God with us all the time. But this is the name that was given to Jesus. And so it's talking more about the physical realm of who Christ was when he was brought to this earth and born as a baby. And so here we want to look at this name, Emmanuel, and try to understand. You see, God with us did not mean so much the spirit. It was the physical presence of God, that is God in the flesh, God in the flesh. And so the Bible speaks a lot about this. The Bible declares to us that God emptied himself and he came down to this earth to walk among man and he did it in the presence of man through Jesus the Son. And so here we see this beginning to unfold. We begin to understand uh, a little bit, we begin to get a glimpse if we begin to study it because uh, we, we see passages like what we see in John chapter 1, verse 14, where it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Listen to that now. I want you to understand this. The word, speaking of Jesus, the word became what? Became flesh. No longer just spirit, right? No longer just God in heaven, three persons in one, but the son coming to earth, the word becoming flesh. You see that? And so the gospel declaring the word became flesh and what? Dwelt among us. In other words, he walked on this earth, Jesus in the, walking on this earth, and we have seen his glory, John would declare, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. And so Jesus was not just a baby, but he was God incarnate. In fact, we sang about that a while ago. I, I, I tell you, I, I'm... Every time I, we, we come to a place of worship and it just lines up with everything that I'm going to say, it's just really remarkable to me. And, uh, and I love the fact that Spence spends a lot of time just selecting the right songs by looking at the text himself. And oftentimes we don't even talk about it. We didn't this for this message either. But all of that just, we're singing about the incarnation of Christ. I think Hannah was actually singing that, the incarnation of Christ, meaning that God came to this earth and he wrapped himself in flesh. The world, the word dwelt among us. What a powerful, powerful truth that we're, we're learning about. This is not just a baby Jesus. This is God in the flesh. Now, some would say that Jesus came to, to be able to better relate to our own suffering and our own sorrow, that he would have a, a better understanding of what we go through in this thing called life, okay? And maybe that's true. I don't think that's the, the main purpose behind why Christ came, but certainly he, he could relate. I think he could do it without coming to earth, but he, you know, obviously walking uh, among us, he might get a, a different perspective than he would 
in heaven, I don't know, but some would say also that Jesus came to, uh, to better relate what we go through in life. And then some would even say that Jesus came, that he would set the example of holiness for us to live by as we live out our life in Christ. But though all of that may be somewhat true, there's a greater purpose in the incarnation of Christ Jesus. There's a greater purpose in the reason that God became flesh. And it's this, without the incarnation, there would be no body to die. And the cross would be meaningless. The cross would be meaningless. You see, what we need, what we need as people who are living their life as hopeless sinners is a savior. And we know that the scriptures declare to us that the wages of our sin is death and that is eternal separation from God, that we have no hope of ever standing in the presence of a holy God without the atonement of our sin. And Jesus Christ came to pay the price to be the atonement, an atonement that could only be paid with blood. And Jesus came to this earth. He died on a cross. His blood was spilled for the atonement of our sin. And you cannot have that without a body. So Jesus comes and walks on this earth that he would one day be able to go to the cross. Emmanuel, God with us. Isaiah said it's going to happen. Matthew said it did. Amen? Now what about the name of Jesus? Out of all the names of God, uh, that God could have chosen to give to Joseph to name Jesus, he gives him this name, Jesus. And for good reason, I believe, to, uh, he gave Joseph the, the name Jesus, and, 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 and he reveals to us that uh, in just this name, as we explore this name, we'll, we'll begin to see this, but as he gives us Jesus this name, Jesus, he reveals to us this desire that he has for sinners to be saved. I mean, the very name of Jesus in its simplest form means salvation. And so what we begin to see in naming this baby Jesus is God's desire for sinners to be saved. And so we begin to see this unfold. Now take that with and, and sort of merge it with this idea of Emmanuel, God with us, God cares for us, God walks with us, he wraps himself in flesh that he could go to the cross. The body would be there to shed the blood which could atone for our sin. But we see even deeper than that that there was this great desire that God would have for sinners to be saved. How many of you are thankful for that truth this morning? Amen? You know, I just really can't imagine my life without salvation. Can you? I, I really can't imagine. Now, here's the thing. Before salvation... I didn't see any other type of life. But it's like once you realize that Christ has died for your sins and that salvation is free gift from God, that we are saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus, and we begin to see the blessings that come with salvation on this earth, not counting what's going to be the greatest blessing in heaven, man, I tell you, that just makes the name of Jesus very beautiful, doesn't it? The name of Jesus... It literally means salvation in its simplest form. Literally, it means he saves his people from their sin. That's what Jesus means. 
He saves his people from their sins. And as we've given testimony this morning, we're very thankful for that. We're very thankful for all that the Christmas story reveals to us, aren't we? We're very thankful that, that God uh, cared so deeply for humanity that he would send a savior to this world, that he would be born in a manger, no doubt, but grow into an adult who would one day go to the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. Peter said it like this. He says, knowing that you were ransomed from your futile ways, inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Look at this now. This is what I want you to see here. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for your sake. Here's what the word of God teaches us, that it was not just a new desire for God. You see, when Jesus came along, this wasn't suddenly an idea that God had. You know what? I think if I send my son down there, I could save my people. This was thought about before he ever made people. Before the foundations of the world. And we begin to see God's sovereignty unfold in the Christmas story. We begin to understand that the, the name Emmanuel has such significance. And we begin to see that the name of Jesus has such significance. And, and this baby who was being born when, the angel, when an angel of the Lord came to Joseph and he says, Oh, by the way, you'll call him Jesus and he will save his people from their sins. There was significance in that little baby being born. There was power in that little baby being born. This wasn't your typical little baby. God's plan was conceived in eternity as it is given to us in 1 Peter 1.18. He says, for it was foreknown before the foundation of the world and it was manifest in the last times. In other words, it was made known to us later, but it was foreknown before the foundation of the world. So God's plan was conceived in eternity, but only to be delivered to us in the fullness of time. In the Gospel of Luke, we read a story of how Jesus begins his ministry. And right after this time of Jesus being tempted in the wilderness, it says that he goes back to Galilee. And as Jesus comes back to Galilee, he begins to go into the synagogues. And it was in the synagogues that he began to preach. And it says in, the, in other passages that, that people were amazed by his wisdom, that they were amazed by his understanding of, of truth. And he would go from place to place and he would teach in the synagogues until one day he went back to Nazareth. When he comes back to Nazareth, he immediately goes to the temple and it's there that he walks in and he takes a scroll and he unrolls the scroll and he begins to read from the scroll. And I want you to hear what Jesus said, what he read to those who were listening that day. Luke chapter four, verse 18, he says this. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who were oppressed. One of the things that, that Jesus was revealing 
in this place is that he has come to set the captives free. Who are the captives? Any of us held in bondage to sin. Amen? How many of you have been set free through a relationship with Jesus Christ? Amen? How many of you have been set free by the power and the blood of Christ Jesus in your life? Amen? You know what I love about baptisms? Every time we see a baptism on the screen, oh, and by the way, if you, in case you don't know, it's, it's usually right behind this wall here where it's all happening. Families gathered in there. They're not, not all in there just all alone, you know, while we're all out here worshiping. Families gather in here, and, and, and those who are coming to be baptized, they, they're baptized back there, and we, we put it on the screens that we could all enjoy it from, from here. But one of the things I love about baptism is the reality that every baptism is a, is a testimony, it's a proclamation that the blood of Christ, through the blood of Christ, and this amazing relationship with Jesus, they have been saved. You know what baptism does? It, what it says, what it says to the world, it says, I have been set free. I am no longer a captive to my sin. I am no longer a captive to my weakness. I am no longer a captive to anything that may hold me captive because there is the arrival of my king in my life and his name is Jesus, amen? That's what a baptism does for you. It proclaims to the world that you have been saved by the grace of God through faith in Christ Jesus. It is a person whose life has been eternally transformed through redemption who stands before their church to publicly confess that their life has been changed forever by Jesus. I love that. And all through the scripture, all through the scripture, we have those who give testimony after testimony after testimony of how Jesus has changed their life. In the church today, we have those who give their testimony time after time after time. We have those who come and give their testimony. The testimonies that we show on the screens, the, the testimony through baptism, the testimonies that happen in the hallways, the testimonies that happen in our small groups, the testimonies that happen in our ministries, children across the hall giving their life to Jesus today. Amen? My friends, Jesus was more than just a little baby born in a manger. As important as that is, it was the arrival of our King, the Lord Jesus Christ. The name of Jesus reminds us that a baby was born but for the purpose of setting captives free. I hope that this morning, by now, you have let your helium balloon go. I hope that this morning, you have already experienced the presence of God in your life. I hope that this morning, 
that you have engaged in a time of worship and that it's not just been a time of listening to a preacher preach, but it's been an encounter with a holy and righteous God. I pray that today you have found joy and thankfulness in your heart because of what Christ has done for you. And I pray that today that you would just engage in this relationship with Christ Jesus, that you would engage in a time of worship with a holy and righteous God this morning, because it's not about me. You see, we're not talking about the name David Rogers. That doesn't have anything to do with anything here today. We're talking about the name of Jesus, and I pray that today you have let your balloon go. Maybe you're back there filling them up and just letting them go. I don't know. But I pray that you have found joy in your heart. I pray that you have found thankfulness in your heart because of what Christ has done for you. I pray for that. I pray for you every Sunday morning before we come up here that God would just meet you where you're at. And I pray that we as disciple makers would meet you where you're at and bring you to the cross. Because, my friend, there's really nothing more important. There's nothing more important. You see, I realize that Christmas, for a lot of people, Christmas for a lot of people may be one of the most lonely times of the year. They look around, they see all the other families that are engaged in all the, the family parties and the, the gatherings and they begin to see the happiness and the joy on their faces and, and they begin to think about their life and maybe they don't have that in their life and it becomes a very lonely time in their life. I pray that this morning you would get a glimpse of the significance of Emmanuel, God with us, because you are not alone. God has walked on this earth and he dwells with you today through his Holy Spirit. Maybe you're sitting here today and just not real sure if you're saved. Maybe you're sitting here today and you, you don't even know how to be saved. Maybe you're sitting here today, you don't know much about salvation, but one thing that you have been able to take away from this message is that Jesus means he came to save his people. And if you want to know how to be saved, just turn to Jesus. Just let it go. God desires to redeem his people. In just a moment, we're going to pray and our pastors will be down front. If you want to talk to somebody, they're here to talk to you. If you want them to pray for you, this altar is open if you want to come and, and pray. But I pray this morning that we would all just let go whatever it is that we're hanging on to. That we would not be the people that are just sitting here unengaged and with scorn look on our face, just hoping that the, the preacher would hush and the band would play that last song so we can go to lunch. I pray that's not the desire of your heart. I pray that the desire of your heart is to encounter God. That's my prayer.